everybody, and welcome to episode 116 of the Tuesday Night Comics Podcast. Coming to coming at you for Tuesday, March 29th, 2016. I'm Billy, and with me as always is Dave. Hey, guys. And uh, we are uh, now removed from all the C2E2 and WonderCon announcements. A lot of big announcements this weekend. Yeah, yeah, a lot of, a lot of announcements, especially... Um, uh, DC revealed most of its uh, rebirth plans. Yeah, and I and it's funny because you know I was finishing up my picks for the new 52s, and I was trying to avoid um, reading those those announcements just because I didn't want to be accused of cheating. Uh, right. But one that stuck out to me was that the Batgirl creative team is leaving Batgirl. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's it's a writer from the um, the TV show The 100. Right. Um, that's coming on. And um, Francisco Francavilla is doing the art, I believe. Yeah, there's like, so the, the announcements are a, a little weird because um, there's a Batgirl book and then there's a Batgirl and the Birds of Prey book. Ah, gotcha. So there's two books that Batgirl's running around in. And I think they have two different um, creative teams. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and they're all these books are kicked off in a um a rebirth title so like it'll be batgirl rebirth number one and then and then uh batgirl and the birds of prey rebirth number one and Mm. then um all the creative teams pretty much stay the same pretty consistent from like the um the one uh, the rebirth issue to the new number one um, sometimes there's uh, two writers on it, but like it would be like you know if you know like uh, I think the Batman Rebirth has both Scott Snyder uh, and um, Tom King on it, who are both writing Batman books. Nice. So, so that's how. So it's a it's a little confusing, but not terribly, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then some. Sometimes, like the rebirth book, it looks like it's coming out the same month as the new number one. And sometimes you have to wait a month to to get the new number one. Right. So, um, so that's. I mean, that's all pretty cool. Um, uh, Julie Benson and Sean, uh, Shauna Benson are writing Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. Yeah, I'm trying. And, um, Batgirl is being written by Hope Larson. Yes, and that's who Francisco Freycavilla is working with. I think Raphael Albuquerque is on. Oh, that. did I say? I'm sorry. That's who I meant. Um, I don't know why I confused the two of them. And I was like, it's weird because I saw it on Facebook, and then I was trying to bring it up on Francisco Freycavilla's Facebook page. I'm like, wait, I'm not friends with him. <laughs> that's because I am friends with Raphael Albuquerque. Okay, uh, that makes sense. And the, his. That Batgirl drawing, which I'm assuming is going to be used for the cover of the first issue, looks awesome. Yeah, and it's so funny that that he is the guy that is doing this. After you know, he did that really controversial variant cover with the Joker. Yes, that's that was true. an homage to the Killing Joke. Yeah, um, but very cool. I mean, very talented artist. And you know, when we were talking about that, we were like, you know, that guy, you know, didn't do it with any malice, you know. Um, and you know, I think it was unintentionally, um, you know, provocative a little bit, you know, uh, well, or maybe provocative in the way he 
didn't expect, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, uh, how about we talk about our, uh, new 52s first, and then we compare it to what, uh, DC has decided to do. And we'll say like, you know, what we think about their, their, uh, choices. Okay. Totally. Um, so to start it off now, I already had 20 titles, uh, nine Superman titles and 11 Batman titles. Um, I'm going to start off with DC's biggest, you know, team book and that's justice league. Um, and I was trying to figure out like, who's the obvious choice for this. If Jeff Johns is stepping away from the series. And to me, that's Scott Snyder. Like he is, in my opinion, the biggest name at DC comics right now in the writing end. Um, and after like the success run that he had with Batman, I can't see sticking him on something like, I don't know, like trying to like re like, you know, make sure Aquaman stays cool or like what's Scott Snyder going to do with the flash. So I was like, all right, Scott Snyder. And then you need a strong artist. Um, so I picked Doug Monkey, who has proven himself, uh, both in Final Crisis and in Green Lantern as being somebody who could handle a lot of characters on the page and put out books in a timely manner with high quality. Wow, that's a that's a great team. You know, I for my Justice League book, I also picked Scott Snyder. Hmm. Um, and, you know, same reasons as you. Um, but I went with Raphael Albuquerque. For ah, nice. Um, I, I love their work on uh, um, I Vampire. No. Right. I vampires, neither. American vampire, um, and uh, I think they're a great team together, and um, uh, I think they would be unbelievable on the Justice. League. So, so good choice there, Billy. Good choice. Thanks. Um, now the next series I have is like the flip side of that book, and that is Secret Society of Supervillains, and this would tie in to whatever Snyder is doing in Justice League, but be from the supervillain's point of view. Uh, and to make sure this works well and that there's not some kind of weird overlap or like discon discontinuity between the two, I would have it written by Scott Snyder. Um, and again, needing an artist who can handle a lot of characters, especially something like Secret Society of Supervillains, you're, you're thinking like 30 villains on a page at any given time. Right. So the artist for that, George Perez. Um, mm. That way, I figure also Scott Snyder gets to work with like a legend in the field. Like this, Scott grew up a, a huge DC Comics fan and a huge Marvel Comics fan too. Uh, so to me, George Perez is like an obvious like, okay, now that I'm one of the biggest writers in the industry, if if I can work with a legend, like that would be one I would want to work with. I think I think that's that you sold me on that and i i really you know what sold me and i don't know if this was your intention but i think doug monkey and george perez artwork kind of complement each other yeah uh while they don't you know um like i don't feel like they're too close where you'd mix them up right but they're close enough that like you know they complement each other and uh yeah like it wouldn't be like Phil Jimenez and George Perez, where you're exactly. like, where you're like, whoa, this guy's like way too close. And um, so I, I like that. I like that idea a lot. Thanks. Um, now let's see. Uh, then moving on to the Green Lantern books. Okay, I've got three Green Lantern titles. The first, this is like, this would be advertised the way that when Kirby left Marvel to come to DC Comics. 
in the 1980s where they had pages saying like the king is coming but here you would say hickman is coming so <laughs> pull hickman away from marvel comics um and you give him your biggest cosmic book which is green lantern which i think has kind of fallen from grace and it doesn't have the same luster that it had once jeff johns left the book um no offense to robert vendetti i'm just like his run on green lantern and green lantern Corps didn't really do anything for me or bring me in uh so jonathan hickman teamed up with mahmoud asar for green lantern then for green lantern core bringing in a writer not known for comic books she's actually but known for science fiction she aaron travis who writes uh military fiction but specifically wrote the star wars clone commando um series of novels so she knows military uh she can handle a large cast of characters and, and sci-fi and sci-fi and then the art uh asad riddick who you know we saw his art on uncanny x-force and also most recently in secret wars the guy can handle a large cast of characters but also can handle like alien life forms and like different looking characters and then finally uh a new green lantern book i was thinking about the teen titans and you know how it was like mainly all sidekicks green lantern never had a teen sidekick and i was like that is weird considering like how long green lantern's been around like there was no young justice equivalent for green lantern right right so i remember and, like on message boards people used to be like i wish there was a teen lantern you know yeah oh teen lantern that's funny because what i came up with was green lantern <laughs> um, and i'm like how has this title never been used before so I'm like the new the new Green Lantern of Earth as a teenager. You know, Hal Jordan, Hickman takes Jordan into space. So Green Lantern needs, uh, I mean, Earth needs a new Green Lantern. And it turns out the most worthy is a teenager. Mm. Um, so I figured Fiona Staples would be the like an obvious choice on art, considering yeah. what she's been doing on Archie with Mark Wade. And then for like a teen angst, I feel like there's no writer around right now who captures angst the way kieran gillen does um so that's why i have him as the uh as the founding writer of green lanteen nice lanteen sounds like uh, a combination between a lantern and a canteen it does like, it does. like this this teenager is really into camping <laughs> that's a good point uh i'm sure that that joke would be made in the book too um, and then sticking to the, the teen superhero books, uh, my next book would be Teen Titans. This would be a return to glory for the team. Uh, I want this book to be, uh, you know, the, the kid side, like the classic Teen Titan characters written by Jeff Lemire, art by Cliff Chang. And I was just thinking of like the Breakfast Club poster he did with the original Teen Titans cast. And I was like, that's who I want doing the interiors of this book. Oh, right on. That's really cool. Um, yeah, you know, in some ways, when, when DC uh, did the New 52, uh, I, I kind of wish that they, like, did it, like, all out. And, you know, Dick Grayson was Robin again. Yeah. And, you know, like, just take it back to, you know, the, the, the ground floor. And, and I think part of what fell off here was the fact that they had so much, you know, uh, like, oh, well, all of Batman continuity six and all of Green Lantern continuity six. Right. But some, you know, and so 
but know, Cyborg's the new hero. And like, yeah, I feel like the Teen Titans really got the shaft because of that. Right, right. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. So now next things, I, now we're getting into like the, oh, actually I've got another classic Titans character that are known for the Justice League these days. That's Cyborg. Uh, he's proven that he can handle his own title. For that, I wanted to get somebody who had a strong sci-fi background. So I figured I'd bring in Rick Remender, if you can woo him away from his self-publishing, uh, mm -hmm. and art by Sarah Pacelli. Oh, Just, nice. He's like one of the most dynamic artists. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Stuff. Yeah. Um, now, I had the same thought as DC to bring in Raphael Albuquerque for a street-level hero. Um, but what I had him pegged for, for the art was for Deathstroke the Terminator. And Deathstroke had a long-running series in the 1990s. Um, I would want this to be, though, a badass Deathstroke. I think he kind of got watered down once he had his own series, which I think happens when you give a villain his own series. So I right. think someone who could walk that line between hero and villain, what, like write it well, is Matt Fraction. So Matt Fraction, Raphael Albuquerque for that. Mm -hmm. Um, then for the Flash, this was a tough one for me. I, I was having a, a lot of hard time, a, a huge hard time, just coming up with a, a writer-artist team that one hadn't been done recently or before, but would be dynamic for it for the hero. So, considering what Jason Aaron has done with like making Thor a cool character again over at Marvel, I figured, and also how strong like he writes female characters, thought I'd bring him to write The Flash. Um, that way, Iris West isn't just like a background character. Right. has like more vibrance to her. And maybe we also get The Flash family and Jesse Quick isn't just like the female speedster. She actually gets, you know, some personality. Um, and then art by Darwin Cook, just because, yeah, I, I just wanted to plug Darwin Cook in on any book and I love the way <laughs> he draws The Flash's yeah. costume. And uh, moving down to another Justice League member, Aquaman. This is another one I had a hard time with. Uh, but I figured Kelly Sudaconic, I wanted to write a DC book. I, I was going through all the titles I had with uh, female-led characters, and they were all taken. And I thought, wait a second. Okay, an Aquaman book's also a Mara book, also a Tula book. And it would just be great just to have like a strong voice, male or female, writing Aquaman. Then hmm. art by someone who I don't think would ever get associated with Aquaman, and that's Jerome Opina, who draws just weird characters, like is often used to draw uh, like mutants and, and outer space cosmic characters. So who right. better to draw the weird creatures of the deep than this guy who's just got his like a creative mind when it comes to character design. All right, so that's my first ten of wow. uh, my main DC New Fifty Two. Do you want to do you want to do ten titles, and then we'll cut back to me? Sure, sure. I broke mine down in groups a little. Bit. Okay, <clears throat> so do a few groups. All right, so um, as I did with uh, the Superman and Batman titles, I jumped in on the Wonder Woman titles and uh, on the Wonder Woman titles and gave Wonder Woman uh, a title like Action Detective and the first uh, comic she appeared in was Sensational. Ah, uh, nice. Comics. And I'm going to have that written by Gail Simone. And much like Detective and Batman, or Detective and Action, I'm going to have a rotating cast of characters and, art, and um, a rotating cast of 
artist, uh, artists, not catalogs, but artists, um, to, you know, um, flesh out the world of uh, Wonder Woman, mm. to add to her supporting cast. You know, she has a great cast that, you know, of, of gods that you could play with. But, you know, I want to see like a Wonder Boy, you know? Right. And I want to see, you know, other heroes that she inspires. Um, much like you get so much from Batman and Superman. And I think that, it, you know, makes them look like um, they're inspiring characters because they inspire other, inspire other characters. Mm. And Wonder Woman, she has like Wonder Girl and Donna Troy and, you know, maybe maybe Artemis. You know, she doesn't have as much of like a heroic legacy. And I want to build up her family and legacy. Nice. And, and I think that's what Sensation Comics would do. Um, and much like you, uh, I want Kelly Sue DeConnick uh, writing for DC. And I would give her the main Wonder Woman title. And she, uh, she wrote uh, Captain Marvel so well over at uh, Marvel. And I want to give her um, a gorgeous artist. And that's where I put Sarah Pacelli. Ah, cool. Um, I then gave Wonder Girl her own series uh, by Marguerite Bennett, who's doing the Bombshell books. Yes. And after that... Or, and she also and, wrote A-Force over at Marvel. Oh, right, right. I forgot about that. And, you know, I've been really enjoying um, Paya Guerra on um, Black Canary when she's mm -hmm. doing film. And I haven't seen her stuff since Why the Last Man on a regular basis, and I want to see more of it. And she does like that, you know, like really nice, sleek line work. And I yeah. think it would be really cool on a, a teen book like Wonder Girl. That's funny. I had Pike where um, pegged in at some place and I ended up taking her off. And I don't remember even who I I, I replaced her with. I, I, oh, I, I, that's right. I had her as my Green, green Arrow artist. And then I took her off for mm. in favor of somebody else. So I thought it was more action oriented. Interesting. Yeah. And so then I put Trinity with the uh, Wonder Woman books. Okay. Um, because I feel like if anybody needs a boost from Superman and Batman, it's Wonder Woman. Mm. And uh, as far as like sales go. And I'd want it to be kind of Wonder Woman focused a little bit. You know, like when they had like the Superman Batman book, I always felt like it was more in the Superman world of characters, you know? Right. Um, and so um, in Trinity, I would, I would, want them to play in Wonder Woman's world a little more and again, help flesh it out. And here I would do Pete Tomasi and Doug Monkey because I mean, why, why would you not do that? Nice. <laughs> Next up, I have the Flash and um, the Flash's family of characters. I kind of took a lot from the TV show and what okay. people see on the TV show. So the Flash book, would be written by none other than Jonathan Hickman. Um, because I, I feel like The Flash was a really strong book under Jeff Johns. And it was also really good at the beginning of... Um, the Brian Bucoletto, Francis Monopol. Yeah. And then it kind of like petered off a little bit. Totally. I agree 100%. And I think it's, you know, something... The Flash to me uh, in... Um, theme and in weight and in flavor sometimes really feels a lot like the Fantastic Four. 
Mm. It's a family of characters. They're on sci-fi adventures, and it's all fantastic. And I think Jonathan Hickman does that really well. And um, I really loved how he worked with Asad Ribic on uh, Secret Wars. And mm -hmm. I would love to see Asad Ribic, uh, you know, do you know speed characters and speed force. It's funny that we both went uh, Hickman and Ribic, although I, I broke up the team. And it was both for characters that Jeff Johns really like brought to greatness. Uh, and, yeah. you know, me with Green Lantern and you with you with uh, the Flash, who have since like kind of gone by the wayside. Right. Um, and with with the Flash, I'd have him have supporting characters in Central and Keystone cities um, with Firestorm, who was a big player in the Flash, and now is in. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow, right. and um, I'd have that written by Mike Costa and, and art by Dale Eaglesham. Mike nice. Costa uh, is a collaborator with Jonathan Hickman, so I feel like it's a book that could work closely with The Flash. Right. Um, and then I also brought in Vibe, who's like my favorite character um, on The Flash. And I don't feel like anybody else can write him now other than like someone who writes The Flash. So Andrew Kreisberg, who, uh, or Kreisberg, who um, is an executive producer on The Flash and a writer on The Flash, uh, also dabbles in comics. He's written uh, Runs of the Green Arrow and I would put him on Vibe because, you know, and he, Vibe is such a fun and lively character that I'd put Humberto Ramos on art. Mm. So I think it would be fun, funny, and I would buy that book. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, uh, I have Dr. Light, who has made an appearance on Flash this year. And, you know, one of the things I was looking at was, you know, diversity in the DC universe. Um, and Dr. Light, I think, is a character with a lot of potential. And I'd have Ming Doyle doing the writing and art on this. And she's currently writing Hellblazer right now, but she's also um, she's also done a lot of art um, elsewhere. And I just love her art. And so I'd, I'd love to see a book where she wrote and drew. And so I got about eight books there. I could jump into my, my next round of books. Yeah, do it. All right. So next up is Green Arrow. And much like Flash, I'm kind of looking at Arrow as like a basis for what characters I'm going to put in uh, this group of, of uh, books. Um, and so I'm going to have Green Arrow written by Dwayne Swarzynski uh, and art by Travel Foreman. Now, Dwayne Swarzynski, I think, I loved his run on Birds of Prey. Um, he had an awesome run on Iron Fist and and The Punisher. And I think he has like a really gritty street feel to him. And I, I think Green Arrow works the best that way. Um, and Travel Foreman is a great artist that, you know, was on Animal Man and then jumped over to Justice League United. And he has a, a really stylistic and dark approach to his art, which also teams up very well with Green Arrow. And yeah, I, I, I agree completely about Nick Spencer. I have him pegged for a different book, but largely for the same reasons that you listed. I, I said Dwayne Swarzynski. Oh, it's Dwayne Swarzynski. I thought you said Nick Spencer for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Dwayne Swarzynski. And he's also going to be writing Katana, uh, who's also been appearing in Green Arrow and will appear in the new Suicide Squad. Uh, movie and I wanted somebody who 
had some like uh, experience doing like kung fu and, and, and ninja type comics. And so I was doing a lot of searches and I found Tanang Hut out, Tanang out. And um, I know he did a really cool uh, run on Doom Patrol. Mm. And he also did um, a, a, a really brief run on um, who's the like kung fu master over at Marvel? Chang. Uh, uh, Chang uh, Chi. Yes, yes. So he did a run on that book, and I said he's my man, putting him in. Hmm. Um, and so, like, so I feel like those books will play closely together, and I feel like that's going to benefit Katana because she's not a, a big character. Mm. Um, after that, I'm putting in Black Canary with uh, written by Charles Soule because nice. uh, Black Canary is a lawyer. And you know what? Charles Soule is a lawyer and writes lawyers. Oh, I didn't know Black Canary was a lawyer. Um, in some iterations, she is. Um, in the current Arrow series, she is. Gotcha. Um, in All-Star Batman and Robin, she's definitely not. <laughs> she's a bartender there. She's a yeah. singer somewhere else. But... You know, I feel like lawyers the coolest, and you know, yeah. Her her also Batman and Robin is definitely not my favorite. Right, right, and so um, so I'm going with Charles Soul for that, and um, Chris Somney for the artwork. Oh, nice. Um, and then the last book uh, I have in this uh, group is Deathstroke. Because even though Deathstroke was really a Teen Titans character, you know, he's come to fame in the Green Arrow universe, and especially in TV. And I want it all street level, much like uh, Dwayne Serzinski writes, and much like you talking about, like, how Deathstroke needs to be, like, gritty, right. badass, like, no holds bar. And so I took the classic Punisher team of Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon and put them on Deathstroke. Nice. When you uh, say classic Punisher team, I, I went much further classic. I was like, Mike Zek? I was like, awesome. <laughs> yes. So Garth Ennis, like, I don't know. I feel like Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon would, are just kind of sick. <laughs> yeah. Now I kind of wish I thought to put Mike Zek on a book. I what he's <laughs> doing these days. Like, the guy's art is just amazing. Yeah. So, so yeah. So that's, that's my uh, Wonder Woman Flash and Green Arrow uh, group of books. Nice. So I, I left off at Aquaman, which is my, my number 30 uh, books. In number 31, I, I have a few humor titles. Um, I, I don't think DC should worry about, you know, being able to make fun of itself. Because uh, Superman Family Adventures was such a beloved title as um, Bizarro Book by Heath Corson was great. So here I'm bringing back Plastic Man and I'm giving it to writer and artist Evan Dworkin, uh, most, who's, you know, mostly known for his indie stuff. Though he, for DC, he, he and his wife uh, co-wrote uh, Superman Adventures, the, the Superman the Animated Series comic book. Mm -hmm. uh, and also he did that great Mr. Mitzel Plick and uh, Batmite one-shot called World's Funnest that teamed him up with a whole variety of artists. Um, so Plastic Man by Evan Dorkin. i just like to see what he could do with the character. Then my next humor book would be The Wonder Twins. Mm. Uh, and this would be uh, Shape of Heath Corson and the Form of Cheeks Galloway. <laughs> uh, I, like Heath Corson's screenwriting and humor writing is fantastic. 
uh, Cheeks Galloway, I've, I've seen his, I first came across him because of his Etsy store, and then because he sells sketches on there, and then started following his Instagram. And he is somebody who I think would have a great time drawing course and scripts. Uh, but now getting a little more serious, for Green Arrow, I wanted to go very street as well. So I picked the writer Charlie Huston, who is a novelist known for the already dead series of books, which if people have not read, I totally recommend them reading. It's kind of like Twilight for boys, you know, none of the, the mishy-mashy stuff, but uh, very street-level, um, gritty New York vampire novel, a series of novels. Um, with art by Andy Kubert, and this is who I originally had Pia Guerra slated to draw, but uh, decided at the last minute to go Andy Kubert instead because he's a name associated with DC Comics, and I just didn't have him filled in anywhere. And he's a guy who can draw fight scenes, um, you know, like the best of them. Heading to the other edge of the universe, basically, getting away from street level and going big cosmic. Uh, this is where Jeff Johns is headed in my DC New 52s. And that's the new gods. Um, had a hard time figuring out art here. I didn't want to put him with Jim Lee again. I, I, I love Jim Lee. I just found the Justice League book to be a little on the disappointing side. Um, so I often say whenever Carlos Pacheco comes out with a new comic, why isn't this guy working more? And I just think he would be a stellar choice to team up with Jeff Johns for New Gods. Hmm. Yeah, and he, the little New Gods I've seen him do, very nice. Yeah. And his Kirby, his Kirby stuff over at Marvel is always great. So yeah, and I think he, that's a really nice choice. And he can handle large cast of characters. He did Avengers Forever with uh, Kurt Busiek back in the late '90s, which was fantastic. Uh, jumping over to the inspired by DC's TV would be DC's Legends of Tomorrow. I'm like, you know what? Let's just keep the same title, bring in any TV uh, watchers. And that would be Brian Buccoletto and uh, Francis Manipal. They could create the team, though I would hope they would stick to the TV team. And mm -hmm. it wouldn't be like TV universe. This would take place in the main DC universe, led by Rick Hunter. Um, and and see where that goes because I, I did not have solo series for anybody on that group except for the hawks um and i'm not quite up to that point because i think yeah i have them pretty far down my list so i'm going to get to now my wonder my wonder woman books i like you i've I, I had a few i have three. First is wonder woman uh written by becky clunan art by phil noto i i was like okay i need somebody who can write, uh, who can draw a gorgeous Wonder Woman. And my first thought was uh, Phil Jimenez. He's already done Wonder Woman, been there, done that. So went with my other favorite Phil, and that's Phil Noto. Mm. Uh, and then for Wonder Girl, who this is the team I originally had pegged for Wonder Woman and then moved it down to Wonder Girl, would be Sarah Dwyer, who's Evan Dorkin's wife, uh, besides co-writing the Superman animated series book with him. She's best known for her indie book, Action Girl Comics, which she had been doing in the uh, throughout the 90s. Um, so, And she's somebody who's like a good writer who seems to have disappeared from the comic book scene. Bring her back in. Um, this would be Donna Troy, Wonder Girl, but this would be a teenage Donna Troy. Um, mm. Like the same, I want to say, I don't want to say the same character as pre-Flashpoint, 
but the same the essence of the same character, uh, but without all the baggage. I feel like if there's any character who's been saddled with baggage over the decades, it's Donna Troy. Um, and every time they've tried to clean it up and explain it away, it just makes it more convoluted. So yeah, the Who is Wonder Girl stories or Who is Donna Troy stories are the most complicated stories. Yeah. You're yeah. like, you come away going, who is she? Yes, exactly. 100% I agree with you. So this would be Donna Troy, either in her classic outfit from like the 70s or the 60s, but with like an update or like her early 80s outfit, but with an update, you know, like Mike Allred, whatever you want to do with this. I think the two of them together would just be a super fun book. Uh, and then finally, like you, I had Wonder Woman as the main focus in Trinity. For me, this would be a rotating, uh, this would be a rotating, a team of rotating creators. They would each do, each team would do three issue stories, get it, Trinity. Um, <laughs> and the first arc would be by the team of Stuart and Catherine Immonen writing with Stuart doing the art. Uh, they get women characters very well. They get female characters very well. And the two of them together are just a really, really great um, writing and art duo. That They came out with an original graphic novel on their own a few years ago about like a, a female museum curator in uh, occupied Paris during World War II. And it was one of the best like comics I remember reading that year. Mm. It, it, unfortunately, I forget what it was called, but it should be easy to find. Uh, next, okay, call me a little crazy. Now, I know that Starman, you know, James Robinson put, like, he told his, he told his story of Starman. He ended it where he wanted to end it, did not want to bring um, Starman back. So, and I, at first I was like, okay, Starman by James Robinson and Tony Harris. And I'm like, but you know, he got like Jack's done. Uh, right. So I changed it. Star Girl by James Robinson and Tony Harris. Mm. And this would be Courtney, but this would be Courtney learning the ropes. Um, you know, Jack could come in kind of as like a mentor who makes guest appearances. He would not be in every issue, but this is, all right, we need to steal James Robinson back from Marvel. We're going to, First step is what DC is doing, puts the Starman omnibuses back in print. Next step, entice him to come back to the Starman universe, but not with the the main family. Let's put him with Stargirl. Um, and if we could get Tony Harris to maybe make less inflammatory comments online and focus <laughs> more on doing the interiors of a book, all the better. Like he's doing some great covers, but uh, he and he and James Robinson are teaming up on that C-3PO book that's due out from Marvel soon. Uh, so here, like, let's just put them on a regular book together. And then the next is um, the third of my humor books, The Blue and the Gold. Mm. It's the Blue Beetle Booster Gold book. I just like The Blue and the Gold because it sounds like The Brave and the Bold. And this would be written and drawn by Scotty Young. Um, whatever he wants to do. Awesome. And so why don't we, uh, you jump in with some more? All right. Uh, next up for me is my Justice League team of books. And this is, you know, the Justice League and their related teams and supporting characters in their books that aren't like, you know, the, the big, you know, family of books. Like right. Green Arrow, I think, Flash, Wonder Woman, 
Superman and Batman could all hold their own, you know, family of books. And so in Justice League, uh, like I said, Scott Snyder and Raphael Albuquerque, you know. Mm. Um, next up, uh, which will is a team which we all know called Legends of Tomorrow. Hmm. And that's going to be written by someone who knows DC history more than anybody else. And that's Mark Wade. No, I was going to say Mark Wade. And, uh, you know, it, it's a toss up for Mark Wade or Jeff Johns. And uh, I went with Mark Wade. Um, and because I know, like, DC has, like, some stipulation out there that Jeff Johns can only write one book. Right. But Mark Wade can write more than one book. And I would have him jump time all around the DC universe with one of my favorite artists, Mike Allred. Nice. Um, and after that, I'm going to go to the Justice Society. And I really love the idea of the Justice Society uh, time jumping, uh, much like the X-Men did in uh, uh, Brian Bendis's X-Men, New mm. X-Men. So and bring so, the Justice Society from the past to the present. Yeah. So, like, you know, it would be cool if they came, like, you know, a little after World War II where, you know, they're kind of, you know, everything's kind of settled down. And so they're still older than all the, the heroes that are in the DC universe. Right. But it kind of, you know, takes away the explanation of, like, how are these guys still alive? And how are their sons and daughters so young, too, you know? Mm. Um, so now, you know, they come into the present and they... Uh, meet up with their uh, legacy heroes, you know, people like Stargirl or people in the Infinity Incorporated. But, you know, Jade and Obsidian don't have to be their sons and daughters. They could be their grandchildren or great-grandchildren, you know. Gotcha. Um, and I feel like James Robinson and Leonard Kirk have been killing it uh, as a team um, over at Marvel. Um, mm. And I would put them on the Justice Society. Um, because I love James Robinson so much, I'm going to put him on another book. And that's Aquaman. Um, because I feel like he is a world builder. And Aquaman, you know, I, I think he'd have, like, great ideas of how to uh, make Atlantis feel like a real place. Um, and, and explore places of Atlantis that aren't just mystic you know maybe he'd get into their tech and maybe he'd get into their science and maybe he'd get into you know just the culture of atlantis other than that they hate people on the surface you know right and with him i'm gonna take his hawkman collaborator rags morales because i think rags would do an amazing aquaman and he's done an amazing um, after that, I'm going to Cyborg, and I, I like, like I thought so much on Cyborg. Like, where, who would do something interesting with Cyborg, you know? And I landed with Grant Morrison because, you know, I feel like some, like we're headed into a place where Cyborg's very relevant, where like, you know, people are always talking about the singularity and where we end and where mechanics begin, and I feel like. Who better to talk about that kind of stuff than Grant Morrison? Yeah. And his new uh, frequent collaborator, Chris Burnham, will be on art. Nice. Um, after that, we got Shazam. Um, and I took the, the team uh, of Josh Williamson 
and um, Andrea Brayson and okay. Andrea Lucas from, uh, I'm not forgetting the name of that book. We, we just read it right before Comic-Con. Um, oh, uh, the image book. Yes, because I feel like they um, are writing a great story about uh, a kid in adult situations and they have a lively artwork and it's very fantasy and I, and I feel like they could come onto this book and do similar things here. Totally. Um, after that, I've got a book called The Hawks. And here I've got a very familiar team of Jason Aaron and Oliver Copio. Okay. Um, and they are going to just bring the, you know, I feel like Jason Aaron can write a barbaric Hawkman, mm -hmm. but also, you know, talk to his other side of, you know, being a very intelligent man. Um, and I think, you know, same thing uh, with Hawkgirl. I think he could write uh, a, a very, you know, you know, a formidable woman. And yeah. uh, I think he would write a, a great team book for those two. After that, I'm going on to The Atom. And I loved, Jeff Lemire, I can tell, loves The Atom because he, he plops Ray Palmer into um, all these books that he does. Um, and he, they're not always like in the forefront. And um, I want to see him take a stab at The Atom. And I'm going to put Pascal Ferry on. Oh, nice. Um, after that, I'm going to Red Tornado. And uh, Red Tornado, um, much like Cyborg, I think, is going to, you know, a robot character is going to be someone who is, you know, very close to, like, what we're dealing with in society now. And uh, Jonathan Luna is writing a really interesting book about artificial intelligence over at Image right now. Okay. And um, I think Tony Harris draws amazing robots. Mm. So there you go. And I, my last Justice League book goes to Plastic Man. And I'm stealing your idea of Bill Hader and putting him on Plastic ah. Man. And I'm using Chip Zdarsky on art. Yeah, that's a good choice. Um, next up, I've got my Green Lantern books, which is Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. You know, um, much like you, I want to see Grant... Green Lantern, you know, rise to where it was with Jeff Johns and who else to do it but Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. And I feel like Scott Snyder could write the scariest Green Lantern book you've ever seen. I totally agree with you. And uh, Kyle Higgins, his frequent collaborator, is going to be writing Green Lantern Corps with James Tinian III, also a Scott Snyder collaborator. They're going to have a rotating cast of characters and artists. Um, gotcha. Omega Men, we're going to get Rick Remender and Nick Dragata, hmm. um, who's, you know, of East and West fame. Um, and I think Rick Remender um, will write a, you know, a crazy, crazy story for Omega Men. Right. And uh, he, he knows his, around, his way around the space story. And um, yeah, so. And my my last book in this like space group of books, it's not so much Green Lantern, but space. And mm -hmm. uh, I've got Mr. Miracle and the New Gods, written by mm -hmm. Jeff Johns and um, with part by, and I didn't write his name down, but who's on Justice League right now? Um, 
Why am I blanking? Um, I get to picture the art and I can't picture the name. Yes, me too. <laughs> but his, his Justice League, current Justice League collaborator, and they're doing so much with the new gods and focusing a lot on Mr. Miracle, and I just want to see that continue. Yeah, and, and it's bothering me that we don't know the name of this. Uh, it's bothering me even more is Jason Fabach. Yes, yes. <laughs> when I, I looked it up, it was like Justice League Volume 7, Dark Side War Part 1 by Jeff Johns. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, hey, what about the artist's name? Um, okay, so I'm going to, okay, so with this, uh, you'd finish kind of with some some cosmic, a couple of cosmic titles. And so this is uh, my Martian Manhunter book. I was trying to figure out like who would have a unique take on the Martian Manhunter, both from a writing angle and from an art angle. And to me, that is Sam Keith, mm. <laughs> best known for the Max. And uh, at, he's just a name that like one of the hottest artists uh, of the 1990s, one of the hottest books of the 1990s, it was turned into a, Max was turned into an MTV cartoon series. I would love to see him tackle a shape changer who's like, you know, a, a, a strange man in a strange lab. Like, mm -hmm. see him tackling the Martian Manhunter's early days on Earth. Um, then going from the cosmic to the streets, we've got the Outsiders. But the uh, Billy, did I read you an Outsiders comic? You sure did. Oh, son of a bee. Michelle right. Fife and Mark Bagley. Oh, that's right. Uh-oh. All right. So I'm going to come back and I will have to go from 51 to 52. So I'm going to I'm going to come up with something else, but I'm going to skip that for a second. Man, that's too bad cuz I had a good team there. Um Justice Junior High. This is my my latest humor comic. I think I've actually got like six humor comics in the the uh the new 52s and that's just I think the way my uh my mind works and this would be in the same vein as uh tiny titans and superman family adventures this would be franco and art balthazar and this would basically be the justice league in junior high school dealing with junior high school problems um and i think these two guys could knock that out of the park next up is one of the darker books and that's going to be constantine uh, i want to return him to his vertigo roots even if it's not full vertigo and have him written by Rob Zombie. Mm. Yes, uh, Rob Zombie. Everyone knows is more than just you know a musician. He's a film director and screenwriter. Uh, he writes great horror movies. And I broke up the team of Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo so that Greg Capullo could draw Rob Zombie's Constantine. And I call this printing money. <laughs> uh, also in the. Uh, I have a few titles where, which I call printing money. The next one is also printing money. This is Katana. Katana is one of my favorite DC heroes, going back to just me being a big fan of the Outsiders in the in the 1980s. Um, I just always thought she was cool. I feel like anytime she's had a solo series, it's kind of been shafted off to the side. You know, she had in the New 52, and Nascenti was writing it. And it was critically and commercially a failure. Um, so here's what I'm doing. I'm bringing in the biggest manga writer and artist around right now. And that is Hajime Ishiyama, the creator of Attack on Titan. Yeah. Um, to do a katana book set in New York City, um, whatever he wants to do. Like, 
but I pictured this being similar to the Netflix Daredevil series and just being like balls to the wall action. Right. Um, so that's my other printing money book because he's never done a Western comic before. Yeah. And uh, the amount, like the amount of books in print that Attack on Titan has is ridiculous. It definitely outsells any American comic on the stands right now. Hmm. All right. So here's my second James Robinson book, and that is Justice Society. Um, I like your time travel idea. I would have this just set in the present this would be the classic iteration of the Justice Society, not the New 52 Earth 2 characters. And it would be uh, James Robinson and Wade Von Grawbadger from, uh, you know, Starman days. Right, right. Um, next up is Vixen. I really, the worst part of the Vixen series that we read is that it kind of ended on a cliffhanger. Um, I wanted to see where G. Willow Wilson was going with it, so I put her back on the book. And to me, to make sure... Uh, Vixen sells really well, and this is just me thinking from a cash register point of view. I'm putting Stefan Rue on the title, who draws women very, very well. And mm -hmm. actually, it's like one of DC's best artists, and then kind of just like disappeared. Yeah. Uh, he's still on Instagram, but it's like, what, what is he doing? Like, I look at what his, his Instagram drawings, and I'm like, what? He just seems to be drawing Star Wars characters for fun. Um, all right. Next up, my next and final, well, Maybe not final humor title, but my next straight uh, straight humor title, that's Bizarro. Um, I already have Heath Corson doing something else, but since our valued customers is coming to an end, we hire Mr. Tim, we have him write and draw Bizarro. Nice. Yeah. I, I would buy that book. Yeah. Now, earlier, when I misheard you say Nick Spencer, I was excited because I had him on a street-level uh, superhero team. These are people with powers. Uh, and that's the Hawks, Hawkman and Hawkwoman. You call it the Hawks. I just call it Hawkman and Hawkwoman. Nick Spencer writing. I feel like he can make Saint Roche, Saint Roche, uh, a cool, yeah, a very cool, uh, dark place. Uh, you know, it, it like the who is the who is Jake Ellis was a good noir series at Image, and then the follow up where is Jake Ellis? Uh, so that's Nick Spencer. And then to make sure it sells well again, um, Jim Lee has to draw a DC comic. But what DC comic, instead of putting him on Superman or Justice League, throw him on a, on a second tier book and see people flock, pun completely <laughs> intended, to Hawkman and Hawkwoman. Um, next up, this is number 50 out of my 52. Actually, no, I still owe a title, so I guess this is 49. It's Zatanna. Um, again, going back to what we read in the Tuesday Night Book Club, I'm having Paul Dini write it. And again, to make sure it sells really well, I'm having Adam Hughes draw. Mm. Uh, Adam Hughes drawing a Zatanna series? Sure. Oh, I think that was the last thing Stefan Rue drew for DC was the Zatanna series. Maybe. Uh, yeah. All right. Next up is the final um, humor book. Although this is more of a superhero book that has humor in it. And at first I had no Harley Quinn comic, and then you convinced me with, uh, well... You know, the Palmiotti-Connor series sells so well. Even though we're not fans of it, other people are. A lot of people are. But here's what I'm going to do. Power Girl and Harley Quinn. Why are they teaming up? I don't know. Jimmy Pal Palmiotti and Amanda Connor, you print it up. I'm just going to cash the checks and put all the money and pour all the money out of the bags as it comes in. Because uh, that's a Power Girl and Harley Quinn, or as I call it, Lonely Guy Comics. 
<laughs> and it's like uh, it's like that scene in in Chasing Amy when when they're explaining the success of Blunt Man and Chronic. It's like, oh, uh, the really overweight and underweight are our bread and butter, and that's completely like what this would be. Um, all right, now before I get to my final comic, I want to fill in for uh, the outsiders. So forget that. But I am bringing Swamp Thing into the New 52s, written and drawn by the uh, Thunderbolts team of Daniel Way and Steve Dillon. Steve Dillon's got the Vertigo chops. Daniel Way is kind of a dark writer. I think they'd be great for Swamp Thing and not in the conventional, like what you would expect from Swamp Thing sense. Um, and then finally, here's my 52 out of the New 52s, Elseworlds, the series. Like... Um, like Trinity, this would be a rotating cast, uh, a rotating rotating teams of creators. Just try to bring in big names for this. Uh, every story would be one to four issues. And then that's it, move on. It doesn't have to be a one and done because some stories just have to be a little longer. It'd be like Marvel's What If series, but not everything would be contained to one issue. And to really sell it, the first story would be by Grant Morrison and Alex Ross doing whatever Grant Morrison and Alex Ross want to do. <laughs> and that's it. That's my 52s. Wow, that's great. I would buy a lot of your books. Thanks. So um, did you do all 52 or, are you, or, are you, or do you still have more to go? Uh, I still have more to go. Um, okay. I, I did not spend as much uh, time on the Superman and Batman books. So. Gotcha. Um, next up for me, I have uh, the Charlton line of books that I'm going to put out. Um, and so the, the, the biggest book among them is The Watchmen. I thought I that, I saw that on your list and I was like, ooh, that is a bold choice. And, you know, like for all, for all the like, oh, you know, that, you know, you, you know, you can call it something else other than The Watchmen if you think about it. But, you know, what Alan Moore did was he reinvented characters um, and, and took those archetypes and did something interesting with it. Right. And I think, you know, if someone would do something that, you know, they're not supposed to do, it's Brian Azarello and yeah. he would make it look great. And I want Andy Clark doing artwork. Uh, next up, I would, I would just highlight two of the Watchmen or um, Charlton Universe characters. And uh, I'd have The Peacemaker by Ed Brubaker and Michael Lark. Mm. And The Question by Greg Rucka and Cully Ham. Now, for this Watchmen book, would you be using the original Charlton characters or, like, the Watchmen characters? I'd be using the original Charlton characters. Gotcha. And, you know, I'd just call it The Watchmen because, like, you know. Totally. When, what other time have they been on the team? You know? yeah, yeah, never. And I think people would hate it, but it would sell well. <laughs> totally. They'd hate that you were doing it, but then at the same time, I kind of, sometimes I don't like how Alan Moore talks about like how he, like he's ragged on like Jeff Johns for like uh, spinning off Blackest Night from his uh, story. Right. I'm like, well, what did you do other than like spin off an idea from Gil Kane's stories, you know? Yeah. Um, that's how this medium seems to work, you know? Um, and I'm not trashing on his work, but just that, you know, how precious he is about it. Um, anyway, uh, my next 
thing would be the magic side of DC. And okay. I would bring back a book that was one of my favorites uh, called Primal Force, but I would give it to the team of uh, John Strander and Tom Mandrake. Um, they did an awesome Spectre run, an awesome Martian Manhunter run, and an awesome Firestorm run. And I think they, you know, tell dark and scary stories great. Mm. Um, after that, I'd go to Dr. Fate and I'd put Matt Wagner on the book because he knows his way around the Golden Age character or updating the Golden Age character like he did in um, Sandman Mystery Theater uh, or the new Dr. Midnight uh, graphic novel. Uh, and he also uh, knows his way around magic when he was writing uh, Madame Xanadu for uh, Vertigo. Um, and I would put on art Matteo Scalera, um, who does the art on black science. And he does like great pointy noses. And I feel like Dr. Fate is just like one big pointy nose. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's who I'd put on that. That's and fun. Constantine, I would kick it off, uh, and I don't know how long he'd stay, but I'd kick it off with Robert Kirkman writing Constantine. And I'd have a rotating art, uh, rotating artist on that book. Because I feel like Robert Kirkman writes some creepy humans. <laughs> hmm. And I think that is what Constantine is. Uh, much like you, I'm putting Paul Dini on Zatanna. And I'm putting Emma Rios from Pretty Deadly uh, on the art there. Oh, nice. Um, after that, I'm going to uh, my Teen Titans books, uh, which is headed up by Nick Spencer and Joe uh, Isma, uh, who are the uh, creative team on uh, Morning Glories. Yes. Um, after that, I'm going to Starfire, and by Brendan Fletcher and Cameron Stewart, um, and art by Cameron Stewart as well. Um, and I feel like it's going to have the, um, the fun uh, vibe that the Teen Titans Go cartoon has, uh, or Teen Titans had with Starfire, mm. not the um, over-sexual Starfire. Um, after that, I'm going with uh, Raven and Curtis J. Weeb uh, from Rat Queens. And I doubled up on Emma Ria, so um, I don't know who I'm going to put on front there. Uh, but, you know, someone like her. <laughs> um, after, and I finally, in my Teen Titans book, uh, I'm putting Damage, um, who uh, I feel is like this character who is like, has such great potential. And um, I would kind of float it in between Teen Titans and uh, the Adams, since he is the son of the Golden Age Adam. Right. It's also being written by the Adams uh, writer Jeff Lemire and art by Andy Wu, who is doing uh, Black Canary. Yes. And that's my new 52s. Nice. And um, something that people should, it's funny because as we were doing this and you're coming up with concepts for books, I wanted to talk about a piece of news, and that's that. Uh, it was announced at WonderCon that DC is opening up their like um, writer and artist search and kind of doing like, I don't want to say an intern program, but or like even a training program, but they are looking for the writers and artists of tomorrow. And it's basically like, a, like an incubator that will, you know, hopefully lead to a professional comics gig. Um, 
and anybody who's interested in doing that should should just you know google dc writer artist search and and the details of that will come up it's it seems to be all over the place cool yeah it, it, the term is there 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 um it's dc's new talent development workshops what uh and there is a, a link to that on the dc comics blog uh there's an artist workshop and there's a writer's workshop and you you do have to uh, you know apply for it so uh i definitely like recommend people doing that because it it the uh, the artist in it, the i'm sorry the artist workshop the application will be open from April 1st to April 30th. And then the writer's workshop application will be open from May 1st to May 31st. So you've got, if you're an artist, you better have some stuff ready already. If you're a writer, you've got some time to come up with some great ideas. Um, and yeah, the, just if you go to dccomicstalentworkshop.com, you'll find all the details. And this is something that DC started last year as an invitation only thing. Scott Snyder was one of the people teaching the writing class, uh, but now they're opening it up, trying to find the new talent of tomorrow. And I'm not gonna lie, this is something I'm interested in applying to. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so Dave, since we've got the new 52s down, what's in your 20? Well, in my 20 is two books. <laughs> Um, or our two books. What's in your um, two? <laughs> in, in my two are uh, Aquaman number 50. Okay. Um, and I'm also doing Justice League of America number eight by um, Brian Hitch. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, they're just two books I'm following and it's kind of an off week and yeah, that's about it. I agree. Uh, I, this was an off week for me as well, though I've, I've definitely got more than two books um jim starting with archie we've got jughead number five uh from chip zadarsky and erica henderson that's a four dollar comic and then from marvel really excited for this uh x-men 92 was one of my favorite of the secret wars crossovers um and so they're making that into a regular series post secret wars mm. uh, and it's written by chris sims and chad bauer so art by alti for Manisha, I hope I didn't just butcher that name. That's another $4 comic. Um, and the, the the Secret Wars series started off as a, uh, a digital fur series. This, though, I think is just going straight to print. So that is $8. Um, and then here's something interesting. Uh, I don't have many books either, but let me just see. I know I had something from Image. And that's Powerline number one, Powerlines number one, um, by Jimmy Robinson. And Jimmy Robinson, he's a <laughs> writer, writer, artist. He's done some cool like manga and anime uh, influence books in the past for Image. And I, I just think it'd be cool to get him on the ground floor of this. Mm. But yeah, look at this. Just seems like an off week. Nothing really jumping out at me. You know, there's some some comics that like like we've got a new issue of saga but i'm so woefully behind on saga that i can't say like oh i'm gonna pick this up right um i did see there's a new issue of, of uh yeah like fight club but that's a book that i've been meaning to buy and, and haven't gotten into so yeah uh like you i'm gonna keep it short and simple so my 20 is a 12 this week interesting yeah uh, well, I guess we're both, you know, right in that, like, oh, you know, 
yeah. it's not a big week, but you know. Um, and I've just been reading so much Marvel Digital Unlimited lately. Uh, mm. Like, so it, it, when it comes to buying a comic, I'm like, ah, oh, but I got the subscription where I can read like old Marvel stuff and re yeah. pretty recent Marvel stuff, like already paid for. Uh, yeah. So, so have you read anything good on Marvel Unlimited? I did suggest. Um, I did read two classic Iron Man stories this week, both written by David Michelini. And that's uh, Demon in a Bottle, um, mm. which goes back to when Iron Man was still in the 100s. Uh, uh, let me just pull up the specific issues of that. That was Iron Man 120 to 128. And that, uh, on the, I know on the trade for that is the classic cover to 128 where it's pretty stark. The bottle? Yeah, he's like looking in the mirror. He's hung over. He's got that bottle like Jack Daniels in front of him. Mm -hmm. And that's like the last issue in the storyline where like he realizes he has a drinking problem. Like the previous seven issues is him just kind of like drinking more and more. And it's not until like 127 that it seems to actually become like a serious problem where he it, Jarvis almost quits. And like, mm. I, and I, I was like, I feel like this, uh, this story didn't live up to the hype for me. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure. Like it, it's one of the earliest comics to address alcoholism, which I think like it like, but it did it in kind of an after-school special kind of way, and kind of also in a like okay, like this is a book aimed at kids and it's addressing alcoholism. Um, right. But interesting art, uh, pencils by Carmen Infantino and John Romita Jr. This is before John Romita Jr. found the style that he's known for. Um, mm -hmm. ink, inks were by Bob Layton. So the way that Bob Layton inks is that all the art looked like it was done by Bob Layton. Um, <laughs> and then the other book I read, uh, Iron Man story I read, was Armor Wars, the original Armor Wars, which when it was first published was called Stark Wars. They were playing off Star Wars. Mm -hmm. um, and they changed it to Armor Wars once the trade came out. And that also written by David Michelini and art by M.D. Bright, pencils, Bob Layton on inks. And here I feel like Leighton got a little looser with the inks and actually followed Bright's pencils because it looks like a, like a Doc Bright book. Um, and I, I like this series. I like the storyline a lot. I'd read most of it as a kid. It is the first time I read the whole thing straight through. It is end capped with a gorgeous Barry Windsor Smith comic um, that definitely needs to be read. And that's issue number 232. Even if you don't read the rest of Armor Wars. That's just a great like look inside Tony, uh, Tony Stark's mind. Now, um, I'm just trying to bring this up. There was a couple of weird panels though that didn't age well. Um, just weird dialogue. So like Tony Stark is uh, beaten up by this villain called Firepower. And uh, let's see if I, I can find what I'm looking for. Uh, Okay, so he's, he's complaining about like his cracked ribs and he's like, and he needed a blood transfusion. So he's like three cracked ribs, a sprained arm, a knee that may never be the same. Um, and several pints of someone else's AIDS tested blood running through my veins. Like, AIDS tested blood has to be one of the most awkward phrases ever. Right. Uh, I guess it, I guess back in the eighties they're like, uh, don't worry, this was tested to AIDS. That is true. Like this was, I think this book came out like around like eighty seven, eighty eight, and back then, uh, blood transfusions were like a problem with the uh, the spread of AIDS. Though I think it was kind of overblown how many cases were actually 
caused by blood transfusions as opposed to like drugs and sex. Uh, but it's just weird that like David Michelin is like, oh, I'm going to keep current and have Iron Man who's like beaten up and being flown in a helicopter by Rhodey is like, oh, I, you know, I got a blood transfusion, but let me make sure to point out that it was AIDS tested blood. Um, oh, and then there's another great thing. So in Armor Wars, Iron Man goes rogue and he's taking down villains who have been using his compromised technology, his, his, uh, his, his, what, one of an, an Iron Man villain, um, basically has stolen Tony Stark's tech and has been selling it to other armored villains for years. So he comes up with a way to like put these, these suits out of commission permanently and disable the tech. Uh, but because of that, he has to go up against Stingray, who is a government agent and also an Avenger, and also the guardsmen of the vault, who are like prison guards, and they're guarding bad guys. But since they have Tony Stark technology, he wants to... Uh, ...publicist. And since... Uh, now, in this series, because Iron Man has gone rogue and is wanted by the U.S. government, Tony Stark has to fire Iron Man. Um, and it's really, like, you know, a lot of bad publicity for Stark Enterprises, which leads to this line, uh, which is what the PR person says. As head of public relations, Mr. Stark, might I suggest a new corporate sp spokesperson, someone a bit less controversial than Iron Man? Why don't I contact Bill Cosby's agent? <laughs> and like you know perfect for 1987 like who's more wholesome than bill cosby does not read well in 2016 or reads as like the most ironic line ever in 2016 that's funny yeah uh and then there were a couple of issues of captain america that uh that armor wars crossed over to and what was interesting was this is back when steve rogers was fired as captain america and was going around as a captain as the captain, he needed a new shield because the government had um, basically taken his shield back into their custody to give to their new Captain America. And he got one from Iron Man. So Iron Man kind of did this to kind of like get Steve Rogers not to go after him when he took down the guardsmen. And mm -hmm. Captain Steve Rogers being Steve Rogers totally went after Iron Man and even gave him his shield back after they fought. Um, but that, those are two issues... Um, written by Mark Grunewald, classic Captain America artist, and uh, art by Karen Dreyer. The first issue of that basically just recaps the whole fight from the Iron Man issue. And I remember as a kid thinking I had paid for the same story twice and being a little pissed off about it. The second issue is a little better because it deals with Cap the Captain, the Falcon, Nomad, and D-Man taking down the escaped villains from the vault. So that was a nice like little see little piece seeing how this iron man story bled into the rest of the marvel universe hmm. um then what i also read a more recent book is i picked up the hardcover to dk3 number three and okay. i gotta say i am liking dark knight three um it's good the backup story here has uh is focused on green lantern hal jordan and is effed up in how the Kryptonians basically take out Hal Jordan and take him out quickly. I'll leave it at that, but uh, DK3 so far has been great. I definitely recommend the hardcovers. It's really nice uh, seeing the main story and the mini comic blown up to oversized comic book pages. Cool. Uh, and that's, yeah. Uh, oh, and then I read one more thing. Uh, because I like that Barry Windsor Smith uh, issue of Iron Man so much, 
around the same time, he had done an issue of X-Men. It was X-Men number 205, which has a very classic cover of Wolverine basically on his back with just wires and circuitry coming out of him mm -hmm. um, in his brown and yellow costume. And this is uh, basically the origin of Lady Deathstrike. It's written by mm -hmm. Chris Claremont, uh, art by Barry Windsor Smith. It shows how Lady Deathstrike and the Reavers were created and then has them hunting Wolverine basically through the South Street Seaport area of Lower Manhattan, where he is beaten and like beaten by them almost completely and is saved and teams up with Katie Power, the youngest member of Power Pack, who is uh, singing in her school choir down there. Uh, but it is an issue that makes you remember, oh my God, Barry Windsor Smith is an amazing artist. Like mm. after reading these two Barry Windsor Smith issues, I almost had him as my cyborg artist for the oh, cyborg wow. series in the new 52s. And I was like, well, let me get somebody a little more current and somebody who would stick to a schedule. Um, Cause I feel like after Archer and Armstrong from Valiant in the nineties, Barry Windsor Smith hasn't done anything on a regular schedule since then. Yeah. So that's yeah, it. That's what I read. Um, but I have to say Marvel Unlimited has added a lot. Oh, and then finally, I'm sorry. I keep saying finally, but here's the real finally Hank Johnson. Oh, nope. I'm sorry. I got two more books. Hank Johnson, Agent of Hydra, number one. It was a one-and-done Secret Wars one-shot. Did you read it? No, you, you texted me about it, but It I... is so funny. You got to read it. Okay. And it's in Marvel Unlimited, so you don't have to pay for it. And then also on the Secret Agent front, Black Widow, number one, by Wade and Samney. Dave, this is the Marvel comic to buy. Yeah? It is worth the $4. Oh, my God. It is action. Like, it like it does not start off with setup. This the premise of the book is Black Widow, uh, enemy of Shield, and I didn't notice this when we were talking about the book a couple of weeks ago. But the cover is Black Widow, and behind her is a broken Shield logo. And the mm. first page is Maria Hill announcing that the Black Widow is now an enemy of Shield, while Black Widow is trying to break out of the Shield facility. Wow. Um, and then for the, the rest of the issue is just Black Widow trying to get away. And it is a Captain America Winter Soldier movie-like action sequence. Like, it is just fantastic. I cannot wait for the second issue. This might be my new favorite Marvel comic. Awesome. It is, it is better than their Daredevil. Because wow. it is just hitting. I feel like Samney got to do action in Daredevil, but not the action he really wanted to do. And he is getting to do it on Black Widow. Cool. Yeah. And that's it. That's everything I read. Awesome. Well, um, I didn't read too much. Well, I mean, I read a lot, but it was only one book, really. Um, okay. That, that's Kronos. Um, oh, yeah. From the 90s series, right? Right. And I had read a little bit. I think talked about it a little bit. But as the series got going, um, and it's only 12 issues, which includes uh, a 1 million issue, um, a DC 1 million issue and um it just reminded me a lot of starman um i don't know if it's as well written as starman but like um it's it's because it or it's written a little differently but in that it's like offbeat a little bit it reminded me of starman and that it like jumped throughout you know dc's history and you know really looked at like the oddball characters of the DC universe that, you know, you, you wouldn't really know much like how, um, 
James Robinson mined the golden age for, for that kind of field uh, in Starman. Mm. And uh, at the same time, it reminded me of Doctor Who, like, and how they, uh, how he set up uh, the issues. Like, you, you just start out the next, you know, there would be a cliffhanger and the next issue would start off somewhere where you're like, wait, hold on. What about the cliffhanger? And they would get around to explaining the cliffhanger, but it would also be, you know, somewhere in history and they'd take real historical characters, mix them in with DC Universe characters, have, you know, Kronos interact with them. And, you know, there was like really, uh, you know, like, like train stations that were time machines that, you know, like it, it had that like Doctor Who timey-wimey feel gotcha. um, on top of the offbeat Starman feel. And, I feel like anybody who likes those two books, this would be a great book for you to read. And they're now all on Comixology and I had a blast reading them. And they're, they're really worth the dollar 99 because they're, there's a lot being written in them. There's a lot of detail in, in the pages. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, I feel like you buy like a, a two ninety nine, three ninety nine 99 comic right. and you're finished in like, you know, five minutes totally. and you're like was that worth it but like this you know you could you could spend a little bit of time on it. and so yeah that's what i read um so now we didn't get to talk about this on the last episode because i hadn't read it yet but you had read it and that was our tuesday night book club book and that was uh salvation run oh right 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 uh, um, i was disappointed yeah, you know, much like things that uh, ran into other books that ran into Final Crisis, it was not that great. Yeah. Um, it's, it started out uh, with, a, you know, really good. And then I feel like it just, you know, like kind of just went out with a whimper. Yeah, it, it, it had such a strong first issue and such a strong premise that I, I like I've been excited to read this book for years um, and because I, I missed it when it first came out. And I, but it's always like, oh, this is one one comic that I need to just like hunt all the issues down and read them. And then like I bought them digitally and never got around to reading them. So I was just super excited for us to read it. And then when I did, I was like, man, this book got lame fast. Right. I, I think the, the choice of artists definitely didn't help. Like I I'm not a fan of Sean Chen. I find Sean Chen, like I, you know, no offense to him. I'm sure he, he's a great guy. But I find his art just to be boring and predictable. Like Sean, if you pulled up a Sean Chen comic, like when he was drawing Iron Man in the 1990s, um, post like Heroes Reborn: The Return, mm -hmm. I feel like he's drawing faces and expressions the exact same way as he was in Salvation Run. And like mm -hmm. I, he just doesn't, he doesn't draw emotions well. Um, everybody has that same like open mouth kind of scream going on. And, right. I, I, and I just don't like the way he draws figures. They just seem so static to me. There was one issue not drawn by Sean Chen, and that was what I thought was the strongest issue art-wise. Right. Yeah, no, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was really weird because it, it runs into Final Crisis where um, Martian Manhunter is captured by the villains. Right. And this is obviously meant to set that up, but, like, at the end of the, the series, like, Martian Manhunter is like in a cage left on this planet. Right. Not captured by the villain. So like it doesn't even line up to what was being written. 
Yeah, uh, Joe Bennett does the one issue not drawn by Sean Chen, and yeah, looking at it like art-wise, it's even just looking at the first two pages, it's better than everything Sean Chen draws in the rest of the series. Um, the other weird thing is that the original writer Bill Willingham is off after like the third after the second issue, and Matthew Stewart just replaces it. Right. Um, so I don't really know what was going on there. Uh, I wonder if it has something to do with like not knowing how Final Crisis was going to start and he didn't know like how he was supposed to write it or you know maybe he was just busy with fables I really don't know but uh yeah that the final like the final page of issue 7 of Final Crisis I mean of, of Salvation Run is supposed to be this really strong thing of um that the world that they were trapped on is basically burning and most of the villains escaped except for a couple that died um and then the final page is, is Martian Manhunter trapped in a fiery cage. Um, and it's not like we see him where he ends up, where he meets his final fate in that issue of Justice League right before Final Crisis starts. Right. Yeah. And, and But just even like as soon as it became a Luther versus Joker book, I was like, this got lame really quickly. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. But yeah, so that was kind of a downer for me. That like it, it wasn't disappointing the way that All Star Batman and Robin was disappointing. That was disappointing in a way that it was least original. This was disappointing in a way that just was disappointing in the way that like failing to reach someone failing to reach their potential was disappointing. <laughs> I feel like a disappointed parent like after reading this book. I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. So here's a question. What should we read for uh, Tuesday Night Book Club next? Hmm. Well, what, what, what do you think? I'm, uh, I'm pretty much open to anything. So if there's anything that's been like, you know, you've wanted to read, I'd be down. Um, up on my bookshelf is uh, Justice League International Volume 1 by, uh, uh, you know, the, the Justice League, uh, the, the Blahaha um, Justice oh, right. League by Giffen Dematis. Um, if you'd like to read that, I'd be down for that. Yeah, sure. Do you want to? I, I think we've been like DC heavy. That's true. Um, I, was, I was thinking, you know, maybe a Marvel book or an Image book. Yeah. Um, all right. How about we don't decide just yet, or unless you have something in mind? Uh, I don't have anything in mind yet. Okay. So I'll, I'll tweet it out from the Tuesday Night Comics uh, page what we're going to do, or maybe we'll just surprise people next week. No, I think we'll, we'll tell people on Twitter, but um, not really. Uh, we just don't have it ready here for the podcast. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll put it up with the post. Oh, that's a good idea. Smart, smart, smart. <laughs> Dave is the brains of this operation. That is classic Terry intern of Shield. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, is that it? Are we done? I think that's it. Oh man. Okay. Everybody, thanks for joining us for another podcast. Uh, sorry that like the last two weeks were kind of combined into a podcast. We recorded late in the week. And then I was just busy with new father duties and wasn't able to post until that weekend. So it was like, man, I got this episode up really late or really early. You take your pick on which episode we missed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but fatherhood is great, Dave. And I can't wait for you to be a dad too, because it really is an awesome experience. Me too. We're, we're, we're in like, you know, we've, I think I'm, I'm really excited for that. We, we finished off, you know, the, the bathroom across from the baby's room is finished. The, the nursery, the baby's room is finished. And, you know, everything's kind of ready to go. So 
Nice. I'm, I'm kind of ready to go. <laughs> That's funny. Um, all right, everybody. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of the podcast and have an awesome Tuesday night. And we hopefully will see you next week. But like we said in the past couple of episodes, everything's kind of up in the air at this point. Yeah, it's a little timey-wimey over here. Yeah, timey-wimey indeed. Um, on behalf of uh, the Time Master Dave, I'm his companion Billy. Have an awesome Tuesday night.